Women's Football Podcast is brought to you in partnership with SHOT. More than just a sports brand, it's a movement. At SHOT, we believe in empowering the underdog and bringing sport to every corner of the community. Introducing SHOT Kicks, enriching lives through football, starting right from the grassroots. Now launching in East Cambridgeshire, SHOT Kicks offers football sessions for children from reception to year nine. And we're kicking off with a special focus on girls' football. But that's not all. Shot Lifestyle blends the spirit of sport into everyday fashion and soon Shot Clubhouse will be the go-to digital home for athletes and fans alike. Join the team at shotclubhouse.com and you can get 10% off with us when you use the code TWFPXSHOT. The Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Her Game 2. Hello and welcome to the Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Her Game 2 and Shock Clubhouse. I'm Ruby Malone and joining us this week, we have a friend of the podcast, freelance journalist Polly Starkey. Hi Polly. Hi, how are you doing? Good, thanks. And our special guest, Sunderland defender Amy Goddard. Hey Amy. Hi Ruby, you are right. Good, thanks, good. Now Amy, first we have to talk about last week. A dramatic game against Lewis that ended in a massive 4-3 win for you guys. Just tell us how it felt to play in that game. To be honest, I it kind of seems like such a blur. Like it was absolutely mental. Like I've never been part of a game like it, if I'm completely honest. And it's it was just mental because we went down twice in 90 minutes. And then in the added time, we scored two goals in literally two minutes so it was just a bit crazy um but I must say the the atmosphere was phenomenal um there was a buzz in the ground as well and I mean I think in the northeast when you when you look at the fans and it's it's crazy how much of a footballing city that Sunderland is um and you know people behind the club um has definitely been a, a key to our success this season for sure um, so yeah, it was a phenomenal game and uh, yeah, it was incredible to be a part of, definitely. Well, that leads on greatly as well to, I was going to ask you about, obviously you moved moved there in the summer and, you know, it's been an, an incredible season for you so far. How, you're top of the table now, how does that feel? Did you expect that when you came and how did it kind of feel coming into the club and, and this happening this season? Um, I mean, in terms of kind of, you know the the how how we're doing everything like that it, it does does come down to to everything that the club has done um and yeah it might it might be a surprise to quite a lot of people in terms of where we are this season but the club has gone through a massive change uh last season they were part-time this season they've gone to a full-time model so I think people don't realize the the bit of the the background staff and how much that they do put in um, in terms of kind of the recruitment stage of things. Um, and yeah, I just think it, in general, like to be here is such an honour and, and I'm so happy to be part of this group this season because we're such a tight-knit team and and for, for you know, the togetherness and, and everything that we have is is incredible. 
that's really great to hear as well what you say about what goes on behind it's always really nice for people to hear because we don't always see that you know and know what's going on that's great and and the championship just in general this season is just so exciting obviously for a neutral it's very exciting maybe not yeah. so much but it's a bit nerve-wracking how is it tell us about how it is as a player being involved it's, in that yeah it's absolutely mental I, I think it's it's very competitive. Um, you just look at the top teams and, and when they've played, you know, the mid mid table teams or even the, the lower uh, teams in the table. It's it's crazy to think that you know you can drop points anywhere, you can gain points in any game. Um, which, to be fair, as a player, makes it so exciting. Like every every single game, you take every game as it comes, and and that's what you want as a player. You don't want to be like you know, you've got guaranteed to win or anything. I know football is very much not like that anyway, um, but there's a lot of quality. Um, and I think that is why the games are so close. Um, but yeah, as I said, obviously, you've just got to build on the momentum every week and and that's how you do. And you can just see from the top five teams of how close it is in terms of points. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's great to be a part of. Um, and yeah, and you just got to be the best version of yourself and, you can't take your foot off the gas because otherwise you will lose points. Um, but yeah, and it is such an exciting league to play for and I'm so happy to be a part of it for sure. And how have you felt going full-time? How's that? What's the difference with that? The, the training and the, the the impact, I guess, on your body as well? Yeah, no, it's amazing. Uh, I, I was full-time with Yeovil Town when we played in the WSL. So, so that was kind of, I knew what to expect to, to be a part-time professional player. So even even having that exposure and you know your body does go through a lot but it's uh you've got to definitely look after it and at the end of the day as, as an athlete you know your your body you need to make sure you f fuel and prepare um your body for each game and, and each training session but it's um it's all part of being a professional footballer and it's uh yeah it's great and, and I love being full-time because you do what you love every single day so it's amazing Absolutely. It's really nice to hear like the positivity is 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 great to hear from you. It's it's really lovely. And Polly, I just want to get a word on you from just on the championship this season because it is just so exciting and great to hear even the players are finding it exciting as well, even though I'm sure it's nerve wracking as well and stressful. Yeah, I think it's been so good this season. I mean, you look at the top four teams, you know, any of them could be promoted. But then at the same time, because now two teams are going to be relegated, it makes the relegation battle more interesting. You've got Lewis in the conversation, London City Lionesses, either, um, even Reading, to be fair. So it it's looking exciting at kind of both ends of it. Um, but I think the standards improved as well. You say more teams are going full-time. That's just going to massively help. And it also aids that transition from the Championship to the WSL because teams are more used to being in that professional structure uh, for when they get promoted. So... I'm excited to see how how the end of the season finishes because I think it is probably the best title race uh, in the championship for a number of years. Yeah, agreed. I think we're all really excited about that. Now, it's International Week, so we'll get on to England shortly, but first we'll look at Northern Ireland. They take a lead into the home leg for the second leg of the Women's Nations League promotion relegation playoffs after securing an excellent 2-0 victory over in Montenegro. Lauren Wade opened the scoring after getting on the end of Demi Vance's cross. Vance then headed in the second, which left manager Tanya, Ox Tanya Oxterby joking that she had to listen to Vance talking about the goal the whole way home. If, if Northern Ireland win on aggregate, they will retain their great Group B status. 
Polly, this was a really good win for Northern Ireland, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I think it was really, really good. And I think it's really important that in in the second leg they do manage to retain their place. Um, I think with particularly with Euros qualifiers coming up, there's a lot at stake for a lot of teams, particularly those teams kind of slightly in in that in that group and in that kind of second band of, of teams within Europe. So it'll be interesting to see how they um progress. They've got a lot of uh, players who, who have come over to WSL and um, Championship who are developing really well. Um, so they've got kind of that mix of youth and, and, and senior players, which I think is is working well. And I, I think Tanya's done a fantastic job since she um, she joined as manager and seems to be implementing stuff over there really well. So I think they are definitely a team to look out for, particularly when Euros qualifiers come around. Yeah, agreed. And and that that young side that qualified for the last Euros as well, it, it was it was great to see them, wasn't it? It really feels like they're just improving consistently, which is great. So other results in the Nations League playoffs saw Sweden win 5-0 in Bosnia and Herzegovina. Serbia and Iceland are finally poised at one all, and Belgium won 5-1 in Hungary thanks to two goals from Tessa Woolart and Sari Keys. Goals from Ada Hegeberg. Caroline Graham Hansen and Celine Bize saw Norway claim a 3-0 win in Croatia. Slovakia also won 3-0 in Latvia and Ukraine won 4-0 in Bulgaria. So these player playoffs are, are really great for, for improving the competitiveness in, in women's international football, aren't they? What do you think, Amy? Yeah, I think it's important. I think in terms of kind of in, in the international um, stages especially, I think it's definitely important for the upcoming players um, to have that exposure. And you can even see in, in kind of the England camps as well that, you, you know, the under-23s are in Spain with the senior squad and it just shows kind of the the, the progress and, and the clear pathway that they have got in internationals now, which is amazing. Um, so, you know, it's even, even the likes in the game against Austria. And have it that game was uh it was crazy because you know Serena did play um different different uh, personnel in in the squad and it's amazing to see um you know you only look at Grace Clinton um who has been on form with Spurs and uh from from her having the call up and to make a, a debut and score and everything is just great on that behalf so yeah it's 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 it's, it's very important for internationals and and you can definitely see the improvement in the women's game which is which is great. Yeah, and we're as I said, we'll get on to to England and Grace Clinton and um and the under twenty threes later. But I also wanted to ask you because it's a big topic at the moment, um, kind of scheduling in the women's game. We've seen Serena Vigman speaking about it. You know, the the impact on the players. Obviously, we know the insane amount of ACL injuries that are happening in the women's game at the moment. What's what's your view on that as a player, Amy? It's hard, um, I think, in terms of kind of talking about the ACLs and everything, because it is there's been a lot more research, I think, recently. Um, but I don't, I don't really have a, a view on it, if I'm completely honest, because I, I've never been involved in uh, Touchwood, um, obviously, kind of the ACL um, injury, and I've, I haven't really experienced anyone around me who has either, so I don't really know anything about that. But in terms of kind of the research I know there is a lot of things that are you know being um, looked into and and they're trying to figure out what is the kind of the the bit that's making people um, especially in the women's game um, and players get ACL injuries so obviously it's horrible on kind of the players behalf because you know you don't want to be out for 
12 months and and that that's you know football is a short career so even to have that 12 months out or you know 9 to 12 months or whatever they say of ACL injuries it's it's a big part of a game of the game and it needs to be sorted out and and whatever there can be to to help and aid that um yeah we're all here for it as players to support anyone who has um experienced that for sure yeah, completely agreed. It definitely needs. We all know it needs to be sorted. And what do you yeah. think, Polly, on the on the kind of scheduling and uh, you know this discussion? It is such a massive topic, and it's something that needs to be sorted. But obviously, how does it? And what's your? Well, not you don't have to sort it, but <laughs> uh, what's your view on it? Yeah, it's an interesting one because I guess you're kind of a victim of your own success with the scheduling that. If you play for a club that has Champions League football and you reach all the cup finals of your domestic stuff, you naturally play a lot more football. And say your international team is one that plays in all major tournaments. For example, with the England players, actually this summer is their first summer off in in a number of years because they haven't made the Olympics. So actually, the more successful you are, the more football you play, which can be a detriment to you for injury risks and fatigue and all those sort of things. So... I don't think there is a specific solution because at the same time you look one tier down or even look at some of some countries as well. They're crying out for more football because they don't play enough games uh, because they aren't as successful or whatever. They're not getting those opportunities playing cup finals. They're not progressing as far. So it's a little bit difficult because on one hand, yes, you've got players, for example, Georgia Stanway. I know she's been a topic of conversation with fatigue and stuff, but you've got other players who aren't, getting many minutes for a club or their clubs aren't going far in competitions and they want to play more minutes. So I think it's a difficult one and there's not a simple solution. But at the same time, player welfare needs to be a priority. And if players are getting too tired and have played loads of football and it's unrealistic and particularly with all the travel and stuff, obviously with the World Cup, that was on the other side of the world. So that's an even bigger discussion. Um, I think it does need to be managed carefully. But as I say, there's not a simple solution because every player has a very, very different experience and a very different workload. Yeah, agreed. It's crazy. I actually uh, saw Georgia Stanway saying in a press conference earlier in the week, they thought they were going to have the summer off. That was kind of going to be the kind of the slight silver lining to not going to Olympics. But actually now they have training camps in June and July. So it's it's crazy. But I guess maybe things like bringing up the under 23s and people like Grace Clinton who haven't don't have as many minutes in their legs. And yeah, it is one of those things. It's a difficult. I completely agree. But anyway, away from the playoffs. The Nations League semi-finals saw Spain win 3-0 against the Netherlands with goals from Ono Bagier, Jenny Hermoso and Aitana Bonmati. They will face France in the final, who beat Germany 2-1. Kadi Diana and Sakina Karshawi with the goals, whilst Julia Gwynn replied for Germany. These results mean the world champions have confirmed their place at this summer's Games in Paris. This will be their first ever time at the Olympics. The Netherlands can also still reach uh, the Olympics if they beat Germany in Wednesday's third place playoff. The final of the very first Nations League will take place on Wednesday in Seville. So, Polly, of course, Spain are the world champions. They're in great form. Surely they'll be favourites, especially with the home advantage. You would have thought so. I mean, I haven't watched the full game from um, France's game, but I saw the highlights and they looked incredible against Germany. It was quite an end-to-end game, but some of the chances they had, I thought if they can convert them, then Spain are going to have a couple of problems. But 
as you say, Spain are the best team in the world. They've got the best players in the world. Aitana Bonmati is in the form of her life and has been for the last year or so. So I think it's going to be very difficult to for France to to try and get past them. But I think it I think it's really positive that Spain have got to the Olympics. For it's kind of mad it's their first time there. Um, but I think that's that's kind of a big improvement of of them getting to competitions and and having the experience to to get another trophy, get more medals, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, as I say, France, I think, uh, will will show up for it. I mean, their place is already confirmed at the Olympics. That was confirmed when uh, when it was announced that the Olympics was going to be in Paris. Um, but I think considering they haven't had the best run in competitions like the World Cup or the Euros, I think they will definitely be keen to get them get their hands on some silverware. Yeah, agreed. I actually think France were at times during the World Cup, they were incredible. Some of their games, they are. I agree. I think it could be a very, it's going to be a great game. Let's put it that way. So meanwhile, we spoke about England. They're playing, as Amy spoke about, they're playing a couple of friendlies out in Spain. The first of those was on Friday night, uh, a really entertaining game. And the Lionesses came away with a 7-2 win against Austria. Um, an impressive night, as I said, for the Lionesses. We had Lesia Russo scoring twice, Beth Mead scoring twice, Jess Carter, Rachel Daly and Grace Clinton all added to England's tally. Austria did score twice from set pieces. So it, that could be maybe a bit of frustration for England, but overall a, a really, really impressive display. So we, again, Amy just mentioned Grace Clinton and her incredible performance. Uh, Serena Wiegmann described her as being a natural that was some in senior international debut, wasn't it, Polly? Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. I think the way we've seen Grace Clinton, particularly over the last season with her loan at Spurs, she's just come into her own. Um, I think she's really thrived. And in terms of looking ahead to the future, England are in safe hands with Grace Clinton because she is absolutely outstanding. I think to have the impact she did on debut, um, Austria, a very respectable side and yeah, I thought I thought she did fantastic, and I was I was really happy to see Serena rotating. I expected her to because it was a friendly, but we have also seen how reluctant Serena is to make those changes and not play her kind of strongest starting eleven. So, for example, seeing Hannah Hampton in goal instead of Mary Earps, um, and just seeing a bit of variety, testing out different things. Um, but no, Grace Clinton, Grace Clinton was really good, and it'll be interesting to see if she stays at Spurs or, or heads back to United. I was going to ask about that, actually, the fact that she, I mean, it seems nuts now when you think of it, that she is on loan and not with United, especially United could do with, you know, people like that in their season at the moment. But I guess, I guess it's that Amy Hub, it's that for, you know, do you think for a player of, do you think it was positive for Grace to go on that loan and actually she's really shown what she can do? I guess it has been a positive, right? Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's it's important to see as a as a player and to see even if you know you're with Spurs or or you're with Man United or you're with Man City whoever the top team you're with it, it just shows that you can get a call up if you're on form and I think that's the most important thing because you know Serena will you know she she is looking and she is you know in other players are on the radar so it just shows in, in terms of Grace Clinton's uh, point of view that actually no matter what team you're you're in, if you're performing and you're playing well, then you know, you'll get your opportunity. And I think as a player that's really important to see and and that's what you work hard for and that's ultimately your dream. And if you want to play for your country, I, I think in terms of, you know, when you when you're playing, that that's what you want. 
Yeah, that's that's a really nice point. Actually, a really good point you make and really, really interesting to see it from a player's perspective that that's a really positive thing you can see. And and also, as as we spoke about, and as Amy, you mentioned earlier, the under 23s are out with Spain um, trading near the by the senior side. It means Serena Wiegmann has she's got the stars of the future at her hand. So and who better for them to be? watched by and, and coached by than, than Serena Beekman. So yeah, it's great. And next up, England's next friendly is against Italy, um, which can be watched on ITV4. Of course, the last meeting between the two sides was in the Arnold Clark Cup, uh, this time last year, which England won 2-1. Um, and the Italians actually recently, just at the weekend, drew 0-0 with Republic of Ireland on Friday. So that'll be a really interesting match up there. What what do you what are you expecting from that, Polly? Yeah, well, in fact, I was at the Ireland Issy game in Florence a couple of days ago. Um, and Issy looked like a really good outfit. They've got some fantastic players. Um, Ariana Caruso was absolutely insane, just all over that pitch. Um, so I'm excited to see her against England. But they didn't manage to put one past Ireland. So I think that will be kind of crucial against it. I, I, I imagine England will slightly rotate, but not massively. I think Serena will want to stick to her a more similar style 11 um less rotation than against austria um but i think they are two teams that match up quite well um i think italy yeah as i say do need to have some work with kind of scoring and that sort of thing but their back line is incredible um so it'll be interesting to see england strikers come up against that because um i think italy italy are a side that are definitely on the rise and and then at the next Euros, um, if they qualify, they should do. Um, but they'll be definitely a force to be reckoned with because there's a lot of investment that's gone into their domestic league and the rewards are re- they're reaping the rewards, that phrase, um, in in the on the international stage and, and they're doing really, really well. Yeah, and actually I'm really excited for that because I was quite disappointed with how they performed at the last Euros. It was quite I really I don't know, I just really wanted to to see more. And uh, yeah, so it's it's exciting. Like you said, they're on the up, which is is great. Now on to Scotland, who are into the final of the Pinatar Cup. This tournament has gone to form in terms of ranking. Uh Scotland facing Finland in the final on Tuesday. Scotland beat the Philippines thanks to two goal, first half goals from March Thomas and Finland saw off Slovenia thanks to a goal from Leicester City's Yuta Rantala. Scotland are looking for 2024 to be a much better year. Uh, reconnecting with winning is what Pedro Martinez loses his kind of mantra. Um, and if they can win this tournament, it'll give them some confidence, won't it, Polly? Yeah, they're a side that have definitely underperformed in the last couple of years. Um you expected them to potentially qualify for the World Cup, obviously miss out to Ireland getting through. Um, but yeah, eyes will be set on the Euros. I'm slightly surprised Pedro is still there after I mean, he's been there for a while and the the results haven't haven't really turned out for him. Um, but yeah, Martha Thomas was fantastic. Another player at Spurs um, who got those two goals. And it, it's good to see when a player can take their form from the league into international uh, fixtures. Um, but yeah, I mean, considering they're still missing Caroline Weir, she's set to come back probably in the autumn. I think they've done quite well without her because, I mean, she is a very big loss. Um, but yeah, look, looking forward, they've got a lot of young players coming through. I know Emma Watson's injured at the moment, but she'll be coming back. Um, and um, yeah, I think Scotland have have a bright future. It's just difficult because it, it's getting more and more competitive. And as we mentioned, with international teams on the rise, 
it makes it more difficult to qualify for these tournaments. But um, but no, Scotland has done well so far. Yeah, agreed. It makes it more difficult, but more exciting for, for the neutral viewers. So the final of the Nation League Cup will take place at Luton Town's Kenilworth Road. The semi-finals took place this weekend with Newcastle United snatching the win at St. James, St. James's Park to beat Portsmouth thanks to a Georgia Gibson goal in the last minute. They'll play Hashtag United, who won 2-0 away at Halifax Town on what looked like a fairly difficult pitch, it's fair to say. The only league game across the National Leagues yesterday took place down in Felixstowe as Ipswich saw off Rugby Borough to close the gap at the top to seven points with two games in hand. Rugby's cause wasn't helped by going down to 10 players after 34 minutes with Angela Nixon seeing red. Summer Hughes opened the scoring three minutes later and Yasmin Mosby equalised on 70 minutes. But Leonard Gunning-Williams restored the lead within a minute and grabbed another five minutes later. Elkie Bowyer then rounded off the scoring to complete and round off a 4-1 win for the Tractor Girls as they move into fifth. Manager Carly Davies won Manager of the Month for January. Producer Luke caught up with her to congratulate her on the award and speak about the plans for the club going forward. Carly, congratulations on your, on your award, first of all. Thank you. It's been a good month for you, including um, you got that result up at Newcastle, didn't you? You're chasing them down at the minute, but overall the month's been been a good one for you. Yeah, it's um, we, we knew coming um, off the back of the Christmas break, we had a really important January um, with playing obviously Newcastle and Burnley, who were um, at the Christmas break, both um, in front of us in the league title race. Um, so yeah, getting the results against those two um, managed to close the gap and um, yeah, we we, could, we just now need to look forward and hopefully just keep um, keep having good performances and winning games of football. There's been a lot of progress made, hasn't there, with with Forest as well? I mean, there was a lot of upheaval in the summer, including the manager going. He's gone to Newcastle. You stepped in, and, and how have you found it? Yeah, obviously the club have invested hugely in the women's setup since um, since I took over. Um, they were very much um, just a part time outfit last season. Um, now we've got six full-time players. Um, everybody else is contracted on part-time, but their uh, their contact time has increased um, by two sessions a week. So the demands on the players are, are far more this season. We've we've got a lot more full-time staff in place now as well. So um, we're we're making good strides in um, in improving uh, the women's setup overall, and we'll continue to do that. And hopefully, um, yeah, we will just keep progressing. It seems everyone in the club is, is just invested as a whole. I see the tweets from even the main official football club accounts sort of always retweeting and, and, and supporting the girls. Yeah, um, the, the, the cohesion between um, everybody at the club is, is uh, one, one of the things that draw me here. Um, our media department are superb at what they do and the content that they put out and our players um, roughly every every month to six weeks, we'll we'll do content. So we're very much um, an inclusive club. Um, that includes the academy boys as well, um, and some of our younger younger female players that are in our talent pathway too. So it's something that the club are extremely passionate about. They want to support the players in developing their own individual brands too, and that's part of um, one of the things that we want to do for our female players too, because. Long after they play at Nottingham Forest, they might go on and continue to have um, careers elsewhere. So it's something that we want to do. We want to invest in players and, and people, um, and hope that we, you know, we can support their development in in other ways, not just on the football pitch. 
Uh, and your crowds are getting better as well, aren't you? You've got a lot of people coming to watch you. Yeah, I think that the fans have always been brilliant at, at Nottingham Forest, even prior to my time here. Um, it was one of the things that was always really impressive. I think that links back to the media coverage as well for the women's team. But um, obviously, Nottingham Forest has a rich history. The fans are, um, are, are superb. Um, and there's no better feeling than when you're in, in the stadium full of the fans as well. I think we had six and a half thousand, which was a league record for the National League. Um, early on in the season when we played against Derby. So it shows that the interest there, that the fans want to keep coming back. And that's something that we're really proud of here. Um, and we just want to keep um, improving on our, our brand, our style of football. And hopefully that keeps bringing the fans through the gate. Yeah, and you've got a week off. Your next game's not until the 3rd of March. So it's a good time to, to prepare for that game against FC Halifax. Yeah, um, I think one of the, the things that's been um, that's been difficult to manage in this league and not something that I'm used to, obviously my experiences were from the Championship and the WSL, is um, that the, the league um, is actually quite relentless. There's not a lot of breaks in the calendar for the players, or there certainly has been or not been in our calendar. And our girls have had seven weeks of games back to back since Christmas and um, when you've got players that are working full-time, you know, they've got families outside of here. They're also um, increased um, loading through football. It's, um, it's a, lot, uh, a lot for them. There's a lot of demand physically and mentally. So we'll certainly be taking this weekend to allow the players some time to refresh, have a mental break. That goes for staff as well. And, um, yeah, we'll hit the ground running and be as prepared as possible going into the Halifax game next Sunday. Now, there are strides being taken forward in terms of, of the pyramid system, isn't there? I mean, at least now we're going to get to a stage where the winners of the North and South automatically go into the championship. But obviously, play, the, way, the way it is at the minute, you're, you're sort of you're nine points behind Newcastle. So going forward, do you think in seasons to come, there should be like a playoff system as well to help? So it, it keeps the interest going for like second, third, fourth, fifth, potentially? For a second promotion spot, yeah, I mean, um, of course, I'm I'm glad that the the playoff has gone from the northern and southern. I think, um, in my opinion, that was a ludicrous rule in the first place. I think it was the only league in the world mm. where you didn't get promoted based on the fact that you've you've won a season, um, which yeah, like I say, is ludicrous. But um, we're obviously seeing the standard across um, the pyramid improve all the time. Um, I think there will be plans um, and in the not-so-distant future to expand the WSL and the championship alike. So um, the standard in Tier 3 is improving massively all the time. Like Newcastle are full-time, we're hybrid, uh, Burnley are hybrid. There's a couple of other clubs that are on similar models as well. So um, provided that the clubs are investing, um, you know, I, th I think a, a playoff game um, would be great for a second place to, to go up. But at the same time, you've got to be able to compete when you do go into the championship. And I think operating on a part time system is extremely difficult now. I don't think there's uh, very many clubs in the women's championship that aren't operating on a full time program. And those that aren't, you're seeing them at the bottom end of the table. So it shows that it's very, very difficult. So um, your infrastructure has to be right, your model has to be right, your recruitment strategy has to be right. Um, and if we can keep improving that, then I don't see why um, a two-up, two-down system won't be in place in the not-so-near future, but it, the timing has to be right for that. In other news, the Swiss federal government is cutting its finances for the women's Euros being held there next summer. 
With 82 million francs spent on the men in 2008, the original plan was to spend 15 million on the women. However, they have announced it's been cut to just 4 million. There has understandably been a lot of anger over this. Uh, Some say the tournament should be taken away from them. Amy, as a player, how does this make you feel? Um, It's disappointing, of course, uh, because I think... The, you can only see kind of the development of women's football over the past years has been nothing but positive um, in England. So to see kind of a country cutting their funding, um, that was part of their initial bid, um, I, I thought was crazy. Um, but I just, I, obviously we don't know the justification of, of the reason why, and they, they would obviously have their own reason as to why they have cut the funding. Um, but ultimately kind of, in, in England, we hope the government and the FA will continue to kind of back the women's game um, because it has just it has been so positive from the backing of the Euros and the World Cup. So, yeah, to kind of obviously I don't know all the ins and outs of everything, um, but it is very di- disappointing to see as a player for sure. And also Grimsby have appointed Manchester United's head of women's football, Polly Bancroft, as their new CEO. Bancroft, who joined United in October 2022, will join the League Two side at the end of the season. She has previously held positions with the women's teams of Brighton and Nottingham Forest and with UEFA and the Football Association. Polly, a great move for her. Uh, We know Emma Hayes spoke recently about women's representation in the men's game and obviously more at coaching level, but we know there's a real lack of of representation at boardroom level, especially. Do you think this is a positive sign and could it see to more, maybe more leadership in the coaching side as well of of, of women involved? Yeah, I'll be honest, I wasn't quite expecting her to go to Grimsby. Um, I expected her to leave United, but um, yeah, I guess it's a slightly different role uh, to what she's been doing at United. But as you say, I think it, it is really positive to see more women, particularly in the boardroom stuff. That That is where there's a lot of underrepresentation. Um, and also because a lot of that is behind closed doors, you don't really ever see that. So to have a woman in those conversations, I think is really important. Um, yeah, in terms of her leaving United, I think it was it was one that was eventually going to come. Um, I think she... She did a, a decent job for a while, but you could see there's there's a lot of reshuffling that's going on at the moment uh, with new ownership and that sort of thing. And it was kind of just a natural thing to happen. Um, but yeah, I hope um, I hope she has success at Grimsby because um, yeah, I think it's really important that that women are represented in these positions. And from a player point of view, Amy, it must be positive for you to see women in those positions, and I guess it, it helps across the board for for women in football. Yeah, definitely. I think that's what you want to see as a player. Um, it's kind of that that equality thing, isn't it? Um, in terms of kind of everyone has their opportunity, and you know, it, it's not like they're not working hard to be where they are because you know everyone needs to work hard to to get where they they end up, and the opportunities you know come when you do work hard. So it's um, it's all about that, and it's great to see kind of um, yeah all the opportunities that are arising for for different people for sure. Amy, good luck for the rest of the season. And you've before we head off, you've got a big game uh, against Southampton at the weekend. Yes, yeah. yeah, Southampton on Sunday, yeah, Appleton. So, yeah, get as many fans there as possible um, to get the buzz like we did at the Lewis game. So, yeah, it's it's great, and and the team is really looking forward to it. And we're we're buzzing to get going. And who knows what will happen? Six games left, uh, the race for the title. We're all really excited to see it. And again, just really good luck for the rest of the season for you.
Great. That's it for today. Thank you so much to Amy and Polly for joining us this week. If you're on social media, we'd love you to give us a follow. We're on Twitter at TWFP1 and Instagram at the Women's Football Podcast. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you again next week. The Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Her Game 2.